Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Welcome to the Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and SAP. The Business of Marketing is where you get to hear from business leaders and innovators on how CMOs work collaboratively with their C-suite partners to drive business transformation. So, for anyone who is a CMO or aspiring to join the C-suite, this podcast will provide you with a deep dive into how to create cross-functional teams, establish clear internal communications, invest in customer centricity, drive technology innovation, and develop talent for the future. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Welcome to the Business of Marketing, presented in partnership with SAP. I'm Toby Daniels, Chief Innovation Officer at Adweek. The feel-good highlight for so many people late last year was a TikTok video featuring a skateboarder named Nathan Apodaca, lip-syncing to Fleetwood Mac while chugging some ocean spray cran raspberry. No one could have predicted the significance of this cultural moment, and certainly no one could have predicted that this would impact the fortunes of Ocean Spray's business, least of all their CEO, Tom Hayes. However, As a veteran of the food business and a leader with tremendous empathy for his customers and most important stakeholders, Tom knew that this was an opportunity to do something that would not only transform Nathan's life, but that would also catapult the brand into the zeitgeist that is TikTok meme culture. 
Please enjoy this week's episode of the Business of Marketing and my conversation with Ocean Spray's CEO, Tom Hayes. Tom, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Toby. I'm looking forward to this. It should be a, a fun time. Absolutely. Well, it's really great to meet you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I mean, we've done a, a ton of research coming in to the conversation today, and there's just going to be a huge amount for us to talk about and unpack. First of all, where do we find you today? I'm actually in our headquarters office in Lakeville, Massachusetts. So I have been sort of traveling around like most and working remotely, but today I find myself in our headquarters with not a lot of people around me, but I am here, in fact, in Lakeville, Massachusetts. Very good. Very good. So for our social media week attendees, and also for those of you out there who may be first time listeners to the podcast, just as a quick reminder, the business of marketing is our platform to tell stories about businesses and the leaders behind them who have driven transformation through marketing. Our goal in these conversations is to better understand the function of marketing, particularly at the strategic level, and how it can be used to enhance collaboration within the C-suite. So Tom, what I want to do first is sort of set the scene a little bit. So in preparing for our conversation today, I went down the proverbial rabbit hole of your incredible career. Can you just kick us off by sharing a little bit of background, including sort of talking about your time as the CEO of Tyson Foods, your role also prior to that leading positions at Hillshire, Sara Lee and Kraft. Sure. Yeah. So I've been uh, in the food business for a long time. I'm uh, a veteran <laughs> and have been in many different roles. I've been really, I think, fortunate in my career to have so many great experiences and worked with some amazing people on some amazing brands that you mentioned. Most of my career I've spent in marketing, sales, and general management. So I had some great experiences in the marketing group at Kraft, had some wonderful uh, time at the Hillshire Brands Company, which was uh, came out of sort of the Sara Lee organization, uh, which was the beverage company, Dow Egbert's uh, brand, if you know that, in the, it's in the uh, European market. But then the food business in the US is what turned into Hillshire Brands, and that's Hillshire Farm, Ballpark, Hot Dogs, Jimmy Dean, uh, Breakfast Sandwiches, and Jimmy Dean Sausage, and uh, Hillshire, uh, the Hillshire Farm Lunch Meat Brands. And that company was acquired uh, by Tyson. And so at yeah, Tyson, I had the opportunity to work on the food service business. I was ahead of sales uh, for a period of time. And so my experience is I'm a one trick pony as it relates to food, but I have been in a lot of different, a lot of different roles. My last role before uh, joining the, the Ocean Spray Company was the CEO of Tyson. So what drew you into the food industry in the first place? And, and what's obviously just kept you engaged and connected to, to that industry throughout your career? Yeah, so I started my food career at the age of 15. And so I, I was walking down the road past my house where I grew up in Merrimack, New Hampshire, and there was a restaurant opening up. And I just walked into the restaurant and asked the owner, could I help him finish the restaurant? And did he have any jobs available? And so he said, yeah, you can help me. You can wash some windows, you can scrub some floors. And I did that. And then from there, it turned into being a dishwasher and then being a sort of pantry cook and sous chef when I graduated from high school. And I just fell in love with the business. I, I suppose if it was a shoe factory, maybe I'd be talking to you from New Balance or something, but it was you know a restaurant. And so I just got sucked in and I really never did anything else. I, 
when I graduated from the University of New Hampshire, I started out with a company called HP Hood. They stayed in the sort of manufacturing side of the business and just, just loved it. The reason why I stay in it is the same reason why I joined it when I was, or I guess I stayed in that first job was the people are amazing. There's a lot of food companies out there, a lot of restaurant companies, you do find that people, once they join, don't typically leave the food or consumer products business because they really enjoy not just marketing brands and in selling, you know, great products, but they enjoy the people around them. And that's as certainly what's kept me. I've got a lot of friends in the business. I've been in a long time and uh, it's exciting. It's fast paced and we get to do a lot of cool things. It's fast paced. And of course, it's an industry that also has gone through a lot of change over the course of you know, the last like few decades. T- talk about or describe the, the industry broadly today. And in particular, like, what are some of the innovations that you're seeing that are happening and impacting the industry today that are unfolding and also that are propelling the industry forward? I th- think the thing that has been Uh, both an opportunity and a challenge right now is that the consumer has really migrated back to some of their most favorite brands. And so Ocean Spray is one of them. I know there's a lot of the companies that are in the consumer products food space that would say the same thing. And so they've been really tasked with, well, how do we make sure we take care of that demand that's come back to our brands where some of the ones that are not as familiar haven't been a part of the routine over the last year during the pandemic. And so the food industry has really shifted. I'm not going to say the center store is absolutely the hottest place to be because uh, it's always had a challenges, but it has become a lot more popular with consumers and our products play in the center store. Overall, I think the industry has done a wonderful job It hasn't been easy keeping their team members safe at the plants predominantly. I mean, everybody that's not in the plants is typically working remotely, but at the same time, making sure the quality stays there. Service has been tough because there's been a lot of extra demand uh, for some manufacturers. And so that's, uh, that's sort of what's happening right now. But I think leading up to the pandemic, a lot of those same sort of trends in the business have been there and increasing, which is people want fantastic quality products. They want to have what they want when they want it, and they don't want to compromise on you know, taste, nutritional value. They want it to be great, and they want it to be great for them. And so those are some of the things that we're, we have been looking at, we're still looking at, and we're trying to fold into our innovation process and making sure that we're taking care of consumers how they want to be taken care of. Let's stick with this theme a little bit, but let's talk about it in the context of ocean spray, especially obviously given your story, ocean spray story over the past year, a story of invigoration and, and reinvention. You, you were brought on board at ocean spray at, at a really you know pivotal moment for the business, obviously, as it approaches its centennial, which represents like a really extraordinary opportunity to, to both look back and also look forward to the future and take on new challenges. What does this time really represent for you and the brand? It is, a, it is an amazing time. Like I said, Toby, going from being a company that's been in business for 90 years, it's going into its you know next 90 or 100 years, and uh, at this pivot point where we are trying to become more important to younger generations. We've got fantastic consumers that have been with us for a long time, but the brand is attempting to change. So what does that mean? We want to be able to speak to the current user and be everything that they expect us to be, but then 
at the same time, provide the products, provide the ways in which we communicate with those consumers to be meeting them where they are. And, uh, you know, simultaneously having Norman Rockwell be a part of our cool pass, but then moving to more towards, you know, and Nathan and the you know, TikTok moment, there's right. uh, sort of, we're threading that needle. And right. is inspirational about that is we're all, uh, the thing that's remained consistent from the beginning is that the farmers that started the co-op, they still own it. Everything that we make in terms of profit goes right back to them. And even though we might be doing some new things, we're doing it in the same way that we have, which is as a cooperative. I want to come back to that. And I have a question specific to what operating and, and running a cooperative. I think it's just such a fascinating model. It's obviously not a new model, but particularly today. But I want to just you know touch on something you just mentioned, which is the sort of the TikTok moment that you had this past year. We talk a lot at Adweek and certainly as part of the business and marketing about brands needing to move at the speed of culture. And culture is being, to a certain extent, completely redefined and reshaped by the creators and influencers and even the like larger communities and the ways in which they're sort of leveraging social media to create content, to connect and to engage. And you've had this sort of moment in this past year where you've really experienced that firsthand. And, and obviously, we can't have a conversation with you without talking about the, the viral meme that, that was very much kicked off by Nathan, that was obviously shared on TikTok. And I think now it has over 80 million views, 30 million likes. Walk us through this moment. Share with us the, the conversations that you were having at the time as you were starting to see this kind of moment begin to build momentum and gain virality. Yeah, so the I remember it really well. The team, there were two folks, individuals that that emailed me and said, "Hey, we have an opportunity." And it sort of came immediately after a friend of mine had said, "Hey, have you seen this TikTok video?" And I hadn't. And the team was looking to me for what should we do with this? Is this something that we should get involved in? And almost as a bit of a shock because it was like so, gain, gaining so much traction so quickly. And I said, yeah, well, let's go. Let's figure out what should we do to help? You know, because the first thing was that everybody noticed was this guy was creating all this positivity in a bad situation, right? So he, his truck broke down. So we had to skateboard to work and he just randomly posted this video with our product in the, in the Dreams track. And so we talked about activating from our perspective. It was really about doing it in an authentic and meaningful way and letting the sort of moment build, but not trying to take it over necessary, but just play a role. And the team came up with the idea of let's buy the guy a truck like this. So he, the reason why he's in this situation is his truck broke down, let's buy him a truck. And from there, it sort of started to really roll. They asked me to get on a skateboard, which I was happy to do. I hadn't done it since probably eighth grade or something. <laughs> <laughs> Did that. And so what we, we found was by not, you know, sort of just say, hey, we want to own the moment, but we just want to be a part of it in an authentic way. The PR team, the comms team, the marketing team, I think did a wonderful job uh, taking that and then using that as a way, a springboard for us, as we're, like I said, we're looking for how do we communicate with new consumers and younger consumers. And then it's allowed us to change our voice with them. And so we've continued to build on that. And that was, you know, clearly 
the biggest thing that happened. But even since then, we've had a lot of content that we put out there and we've uh, become a little more edgy, you might say, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we're not, we're not disenfranchising any of our current consumers. I don't think we are, but we're gaining, I think, some new momentum with users and consumers that Sea Ocean Spray is a cool, well-known brand, but it's also relevant to today's experience and particularly as it relates to positivity. Why did you feel it was necessary to insert yourself into this kind of cultural moment? And in particular, I'm interested to know whether at the time you were concerned about any potential blowback. We were concerned about blowback to answer, you know, uh, second question first, and to a certain degree, because we said this is a, it seems to us to be fun and where's the harm in it. And there was, it wasn't like we were taking a political stance or anything like that. We just said, we want to be helping this become more of a fun moment for even more people. Like this is really a cool thing. So the reason why we thought that this was good for us to jump in on was that we thought that we could, and I think we did start to build on what's already happening in a positive way and make it even more positive and stretch. So with when once we saw Mick Fleetwood, you know, getting on a skateboard and drinking our product, we said, well, what else can we do? And so we just started to move in that direction. And when we kind of came through the other side of what was a really quick, maybe it was three or four days as this was all unfolding, uh, the team started to get energized by this is just fun. Like we're having fun, we're creating positivity. We're getting a lot of response back from consumers, whether it was comments on TikTok or unsolicited sort of DMs or emails that you're creating this bright light in a really tough time. Like, thank you for doing that. It was in the doldrums when the the numbers were going back up again on COVID and they were Mm. like, wow, this is really a drag. And we were able to, I think, bring some positivity in in a tough time. And that has propelled us to, hey, let's do more. Let's try to you know, take advantage of that. That's what we're going to be known for is bringing positivity where we can in the right way authentically. It starts out as a moment in which you have to react and respond. And, and it's happening at a fairly tactical level, I suppose. But really to build on this and to capitalize on the, the, the opportunity, you, it has to ladder up to a more strategic set of conversations that enable you to start to think about not what are we doing tomorrow, but like how do we build this into a strategy in the longer term? Can you talk about what the conversation looks like when you're sitting down with your senior marketing leadership in terms of how do we t- take a tactical moment and turn it into a longer term strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Just to, to, to back up for a second, because I think it's important as we did this and we felt great about it and we were getting all the, the likes and so forth, we did at this after shortly after that, so maybe a week or so, uh, the numbers showed that we had our social followers grow by over 600%. We had uh, a little more than 24 billion earned media impressions. So no paid support. We had, I think it was 35, 40 grand for the truck and sales group. So Cran Raspberry, the product that, that Nathan was drinking, where they were up double digit and the entire ocean spray line was growing. So because of that, then we said, okay, now we have, we do have the pivot point that we were looking for, that we were trying to create on our own and we we're doing some things. We had a campaign that was ocean spray plus, so ocean spray collapsed with nature, that sort of thing, but it really wasn't engaging well. So strategically we said, how do we take these vibes and now work them into our product planning, our communication, the channels that we're communicating, and 
build not only for the future sort of brand new products, which we're thinking about now, how to do that, and that doesn't happen overnight, but just the base business. How do we make the base business that has been there for a long time? People know cran, cranberry juice and cran raspberry and cran apple, but they don't know it with that you know twist, which is it can be really fun. We did a, things like uh, Final Four. We worked to try to get consumers to engage in which is your favorite flavor, and we had a sort of a <laughs> tournament at the end. So that is the communicate on the communication side on the product development side. It's using that momentum to say, well, where can we go? Where will the consumer allow us to go with brand new products in addition to just the expansions that we have on the current line? And so there's a lot to work with. And it's keeping the positivity in the forefront, but also the health and wellness that we have started to create you know, more of in our line and the authenticity of going back to this is a cooperative that's owned by farmers and our profits go back to those farmers and bringing it all in that package that is this is a good company doing good things fun things and by the way when they do really well those profits go back to family farms you, you touched on some of the kind of net impact or net effects to the business right double digit growth within that one particular kind of product line i'm also interested to know about how this moment has changed the relationship with your stakeholders right so obviously you're reaching a new younger audience you're also reaching an existing audience of of consumers but in a different way with a different message perhaps with a different tone around kind of positivity and joy but also of course you have stakeholders such as the co-op the members of the cooperative and, and i'm just interested to know you know in what ways has your relationship changed over the course of this last year with them as well no it's interesting when we first uh introduce the videos and our participation in it. I was expecting to get, I think earlier you called it, you know, the backlash. I was expecting to get some sort of feedback about, well, geez, this seems like it's a way off strategy for us, way off brand. To the opposite, we had growers taking like wakeboards and going out in their bogs and wakeboarding <laughs> through cranberries and doing their dreams moments. <laughs> and so then we said, okay, they want to get involved. So we had this dreams challenge right. and we had people from all over the cooperative getting involved. I can't say, and maybe our team would share that there was you know, somebody that had a negative comment. I didn't hear any negative comments out of it. So how, how the stakeholders have reacted is we can have fun. We cannot take ourselves you know, too seriously. And we are a serious bunch and we really focus on sustainability and what we're doing around regenerative agriculture, but we like to have a good time and those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And we are, I think, creating, you know, more of a culture around the company, even in this, you know, virtual world that people realize that. And we have not just consumers, but people wanting to come to the company that see that we're creating something that is, is special. That, that's really interesting, particularly when we think about how this moment serves as inspiration that doesn't just impact the way you do marketing or impact the relationship you have with your customers, but how it infuses something new into the business, into the culture of the organization. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And how do you harness it? How do you capitalize on, on that opportunity, particularly as you see it, you know, changing culture and in, in impacting the way people feel about working for Ocean Spray? So there's a certain, because of the heritage the company has, that people are saying, well, geez, is this the right thing for us to be 
doing and how does how is this going to change the way I worked if I've been with the company for a long time. I'd be happy to report that those individuals have really loved it too. I haven't heard anything that inside the you know virtual four walls, I guess, of the folks that are working for the brand, nobody saw this as anything but positive. But to your question about how do you turn this into cultural and bringing folks in, there were a number of job openings that we had. We've had some amazing people that have joined the company. We have had some that have left, but the momentum it's created for people to want to take us further. So they see the door is open, that it's not a, a stodgy company that's going to have limitations on what I could do. People have joined. We just hired uh, Manisha Daybeck. I don't know if you uh, know her name, but she was at Danone and she was head of strategy, actually, and innovation at Danone, a composite object- executive. Just joined us to lead our commercial group and she's hit the ground running. We had Sarah Evans, our new CHRO, same thing. She was uh, really energetic and energized to, to join. And what it's what it does naturally, this I don't have to tell you, is once you have that happen, you start to get you know people more and more excited and they, they want to interact and they're seeing the possibilities and that you can do things different. And you can be uh, in a position to have fun and create this uh, positivity and do your job and make money and actually do it better for our, our owners as we continue to excel. We love to talk to CEOs about marketing. And it's honestly, it's a conversation I think a lot of CEOs don't get to have, particularly like publicly. And clearly you as a CEO have like inserted yourself into a conversation around marketing and around culture coming off the back of or as part of this particular kind of viral moment that you experience. But I am curious to what extent you are inserted into conversations around marketing in general. What does collaboration within the C-suite look like at Ocean Spray, particularly around the function and conversations to do with marketing? So it's been changing. I would say that I'm, I've got a well-rounded experience, but I wouldn't call myself you know, an, uh, an expert marketer. That hasn't been my... <laughs> That hasn't been my forte. So I want to make sure people like Manisha and others uh, join us that actually do know. And we have a great team internally already that, that really knows marketing well. Uh, I can tell you what uh, I've done from an organization structure standpoint, which I do think makes a big difference. And that is getting uh, people to think about teams. So we didn't have, it seems like, of course, Tom, we, we would do that. But Uh, We did have, when I arrived, more of a siloed organization. Anybody that, uh, you know, works for us could tell you that people were working more sort of one towards one end. So you had the marketing team that was managing communications. Uh, You had the innovation team that was doing all the product development, the commercial sales team that was taking those ideas and, you know, putting them into the market. But you didn't have the nice discussion that needs to happen and the important and necessary conversation about how are we going to do this and do it in a way that the consumer at the center really needs to be our focus. So that's, that has changed. We are, you know, now moving into place where let's start with the consumer. Let's make sure everybody has a chance to weigh in without slowing us down. Still want to do sort of the sprint and the agile mode, which we've learned, but creating an environment where we're small enough uh, that we can 
have a really well-rounded conversation, but still move quickly. We're in that sweet spot of a brand that punches above our weight because we've got great awareness around the country, but we are small enough where we can actually move fast. And so allowing people to be heard, hopefully people think so far I've been a good listener, but what I try to do is be really transparent, as transparent as I can be without making things too dramatic, which is <laughs> sometimes you can do. And just getting people to uh, weigh in and have the conversation, the right conversation together and not be siloed uh, because we're too small to do that and it's not fun. So when you took over at Ocean Spray, I know one of the things that was important to you was aligning with your customers, particularly around their their, their needs and, and even more importantly, their kind of core values, particularly in, in terms of like health and wellness. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and specifically share some of your thoughts in terms of why you felt that was important, particularly when targeting or looking to try and reach younger generations. Yeah, but all starts with the consumer. If you do right by the consumer, the customer uh, then wants to be a partner with you. And so as uh, we looked at what the reasons are consumers purchase ocean spray, they do buy us because we taste great, but they also buy us because they believe they're doing something uh, better for their health. Now, some of our products, you might say, well, they're a little more indulgent, which they are, but we also have a wide variety of products that uh, are lower calorie, lower sugar, and uh, taste amazing. And I think that's a core competence that we have is the ability to blend flavors and make great tasting products and make them you know, healthful. So uh, the consumer has told us that when we do it right and we don't compromise quality, that they will buy. So our customers have invited us to be a part of conversations increasingly about it being a category captain in the juice category. So shelf-stable juice hasn't been like the hottest space, but by the fact that we are growing today, we have gained some momentum uh, with consumers staying home and, and going to brands they trust. And we've been doing the right things as it relates to innovation around the core, but we, they, we know we can go a lot farther. They understand that we are a good, good uh, partner to work with, and they will increasingly give us that opportunity. It comes with a big responsibility of actually standing up to fill rates and service rates, which have been tough to hit when you have a system that has been, been growing, like, growing like crazy. So there's a lot of work to do to stand up to it. But the starting point that your question was about is the getting the consumers for the consumer's permission to be a part of their lives on an ongoing basis based on high quality products that do balance sort of emotional health and physical health. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. We know we can go a lot farther. So one last question for you, Tom, when you think about this past year, everything that you and your teams and the organization has gone through all the way to the kind of manufacturing the actual product itself and the ways in which you've had to navigate and adjust and course correct and react and respond in real time to not just one but in many ways multiple societal and cultural moments what's the one leadership lesson that you've learned over the, the course of that period I, th I think the thing is so, so many it's hard to pick one but I'm probably among a, a class of you know, leaders in any business that would, would say the same thing to you, Toby, which is people have to be always on in a 2D environment where 
you know, when we were old 3D in rooms, it was charming to be maybe just a little bit late or like, oh, I got to, hey, do you mind if I just uh, step out for a second? Because I got to talk to Joe. And, and you can see through the glass wall that the person was still there and not, you know, walking out of the building. And there was just, it was more of a chance to sort of not always be right on. You'll notice, right, when you have meetings, like if you're a minute over or two minutes over on Teams or Zoom, people... <laughs> Like they get mad, like, wait, late for the meeting. Yeah. I guess I am. So what I've learned is we need to give people space. And I think it's really important for them to understand that we're going to give them either days off from this madness, because I think they're more stressed now than they had been before, or it's just making sure that they understand that it's all right. Like if we only have 45 minutes and leave 15, because you can't go back to back to back to back. Right. And it's just being a little more sensitive to the world that we're in, which I, for one, as a, a leader of a you know decently sized company, can tell you, it's it's it has created you know more stress than I think everybody originally thought it would. Not not because of the the pandemic, but because of right uh, how people have had to adjust to work. Yep. It's fascinating. Microsoft actually came out with some research that had looked specifically at how the brain reacts to being on back to back. Microsoft Teams calls or Zoom calls or whatever without necessarily taking a break in between. And, and literally your brain just starts to degrade over time. And the, every single meeting that you have, one after the other, your brain is going to perform slightly less in that next meeting. But if you build in short 10, 15 minute breaks where you take a break from the screen, you like meditate, just take a breath, go for a walk, whatever it might be, whatever it is, your brain like instantly kind of rebounds and recovers. I think it's sort of fascinating. So you're right. We do have to sort of make a, a, a much bigger effort, I think, in terms of giving people that space and time in between meetings for sure. Well, you, li you literally have no other view. Right, you're staring right. at your screen. I guess how many how many uh, boxes you have open on your screen is as you're getting different views, but you're not changing your environment. You don't have the ability. Yeah. I'm like that's why it's nice to come in the office, uh, even though people aren't here. But I, I can walk around. I can see something that is different. And I think it's good now that the weather across the U.S. is probably getting warmer for people to take advantage and talk on your phone to somebody if you have a one-on-one -on -one and walk around and get uh, stretch your legs a bit. But it is that doesn't surprise me. It's kind of scary actually, but yeah. It's not surprising. No, it's fascinating. Well, Tom, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much again for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your insights with our audience. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and presented in partnership with SAP. The Business of Marketing is produced by Al Manorino. The executive producer is Brian Leddy. Support also provided by Erica Perry, Julian Gamboa. Please take a minute to subscribe and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, Forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.